The Stinkin' Truth Podcast is presented by Core Water. He spent 12 years in the NFL. You can't trust a guy that gyrates his hips after he scores. Has three Super Bowl rings, made multiple Pro Bowl appearances, over 16 years of broadcasting between ESPN and Fox Sports. And that's why I'm the greatest football player and best sports analyst ever. He's a soap opera star. That's pretty, uh... I can't remember what I was supposed to say. <laughs> Has a reoccurring role on HBO Ballers. Mark Slareth, handsome son bitch, get out here. And makes one hell of a bowl of green chili. It's Mark Slareth, and this is the Stinkin' Truth Podcast. Hey, welcome to the Stinkin' Truth Podcast. Mark Slareth alongside uh, Mike Evans, Scott the Huff, our producer. Uh, brought to you by the fine people at Core Water. Hydrate with Core.com to find out more information. Love Core Water. I'm telling you what, uh, delicious, award winning taste. They have the uh, perfect pH balance of 7.4, which matches your body's pH, which you said was what? Uh, potential hydration. Potential. I want to call it Pacific hydration, which would not be correct. Pacific. That'd be very unfair to the Atlantic. Yeah. What about golf? Yeah. And then I was thinking specific hydration, but that that starts with an S. Potential hydration. Potential hydration. Wonderful for you. And um, like I, one of the things I always tell you, I love. I like the big giant suck hole. Um, Got a big hole, you know, where you drink the water out of. It's official term, suck hole, and uh, it uh, helps you hydrate. So that's Core Water. Check them out. Hydrate with Core.com. All right, man. What do you got? Can I can I share with you a tweet that I got from uh, one of our podcast listeners, David yeah. Kaufman? Yeah. Who said, Evans, Kyler Murray is intriguing to me. I think he could be the next Patrick Mahomes. Now that he's made the decision, 100% committed to football. Mm-hmm. What say you? By the way, one, it's the right decision. Oh, yeah. Because I get a lot of people who say, baseball, you know, it's guaranteed contracts. I saw Holly Robinson Pete, guaranteed contracts, you know, and her husband, obviously, Rodney Pete. But the issue that you get is you got $4.5 million guaranteed when you sign. You're not ever guaranteed to make big money at the Major League Baseball level. Because once you go through the minors, let's say it takes you, you know, three, four years to get to the majors, then you've got to go through another three or four years or b- before you even hit arbitration eligibility. So then you got to play one year at whatever your arbitration number is before you even have a chance, Mike, to get the big money. You're, in, you're into that thing six, seven years. By that time, in the NFL, if you're good, you're on your third contract or your second contract in the middle of your second contract. So... You know, you get drafted in the first round, which he's project, projected to get drafted in. You're going to make somewhere between twenty and between eleven and twenty million dollars. Like it's it's a no going football is an absolute no brainer. Now, you know, I, I saw. Did you see his agent yesterday? His agent talked about these old school NFL that just want to have the measurables and blah 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 blah, and they're stupid. And I mean, that's what that's what the NFL is. I mean, the issue that you get into is, yes, I understand what an athlete he is. He's tremendous. Um, he's a, a much better thrower of the football and understand like understanding offense. Um, and, and coming from Oklahoma, I made the mistake last year of thinking that Oklahoma, basically out of their spread, those quarterbacks, you know, were going to struggle going to the NFL. Um, Baker Mayfield did a tremendous job. Doesn't mean that Kyler Murray will do the same, but I think he's a, a excellent thrower of the football. I think 
breakdown-wise, when you watch his film, you can see that he understands concepts, understands one side, you know, one side of the field read versus the other side of the field read. So he he gets what defenses are doing. Like I think Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma has done a phenomenal job of coaching these guys and having them understand the concepts that they're going to face, not only in college football, but more importantly, what they're going to face in the NFL. And they do a great job with that. Here's the issue. And I get that Baker Mayfield is six foot one, and you know people were concerned about Baker Mayfield and and his size. He's six foot one. He's probably two hundred and fifteen pounds. I mean, you know, he's a he's a bigger, thicker, thicker guy. Yeah. Kyler Murray's five eight and something, five eight and change, and five nine and change. I think he's actually. I think he's. You think he's more five eight and change? Yeah. Well, we'll find out at the combine, but okay. Okay, we'll find five, out. Five eight, five nine. He's okay. still, he's, he's five nine. Let's call him five nine. And, and while we're having this conversation, let let me just quickly throw it out there. Never in the history of the NFL has a quarterback under six feet been drafted in the first round. Never. So go ahead, continue. So Kyler Murray at five foot nine. I'm going to call him five nine. I saw a report that he was going to be Ish. under five nine yesterday, but I, I, what is that? What, I don't know what that means. Okay, here's what I know. I think of that style and that size. I think of him as is playing a position that at that size, it's unsustainable. Like he may be a flash in the pan. He may be great, but for how long? And I'll keep deferring to who wins Super Bowls and who goes to Super Bowls. Nick Foles, six foot five, Super Bowl MVP. Tom Brady, six foot five, Super Bowl MVP. Peyton Manning in the day, Eli Manning in the day, all six foot four, six foot five. Joe Flacco, six foot five. Like pocket quarterbacks, other than Russell Wilson, like who's a who's a, a quarterback that has won a Super Bowl that's not and and Russell Wilson by the way is a five eleven ish, five ten and a half ish, pocket passer. So. I'm not saying that it can't be done. It, it certainly can be done. I just don't know the sustainability of that over the long haul. It's very much the same that I felt about Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson does not have the requisite skill set from a throwing of the football standpoint that you have to have in my mind to be an effective quarterback. Kyler Murray does. He can throw it. And don't make no bones about it. He can throw it. But can you I guess can you survive the beating at five foot nine and what is what, what does he does he weigh two hundred? Oh no, no 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 he's 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 listed at one ninety. So you tell me what he would be playing the bulk of a season at? Right, one eighty, one eighty, one eighty two, one eighty three. See, I, I I thought the same way, and I called a Baltimore game last year, and watching Lamar Jackson, I was like, that's that's not a sustainable form of offense. I mean, with him running the ball and. And they did a phenomenal job. Marty Morningwig, their offense coordinator, did a, an incredible job of creating just unbelievable running lanes and, and all kinds of different things based on the athleticism. And and don't get me wrong, Lamar Jackson, one of the greatest athletes I've ever watched play. But from a throwing of the football standpoint, he is severely limited. And I mean severely limited. And so you start to think about how sustainable is that form of offense? How sustainable is Kyler Murray – at five foot nine and 180 pounds, when every guy in the NFL can run and they have bad intentions when they hit you, so I, I just I don't know how sustainable that is, Mike. But maybe you ought to change 
how you view sustainable. I think everybody thinks about, well, I got to go find my guy that's going to be the guy for the next 15 years. Those guys are unicorns. I mean, maybe Patrick Mahomes, he might end up being that kind of guy. But let's be honest, these things are far more the exception than the rule. So instead of constantly saying, well, I have to find that kind of guy, why not just look at it and say, hey, NFL windows tend to be measured in three to five years. So maybe Kyler Murray isn't going to be a 15-year guy. But if he could be a six- to eight-year guy and he can be exciting for me and dynamic and he can kind of, you know, rewrite the way that we look at modern-day quarterbacks, what's wrong with that? I mean, who says that every quarterback you target has to be the guy for the next 15 years? Um. I think that's an interesting question, which which lends me to think about this, Mike. Um, like, how correct are you? Like, are you are you correct in that thinking? Because then then all well, of look sudden, at the AFC. I am. Well, I mean, Peyton, Brady, Roethlisberger. We're all talking about fifteen year guys. guys, right? That's what I'm saying. I mean, New England Brady. You know, nineteen years. Uh, going into his 19th season. Flacco, I think, is going into his 12th season. Roethlisberger is going into probably his, what, 12th, 13th, 14th season. Uh, Even Andy Dalton is, 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 you know, is going into getting getting older. Um, Indianapolis with Andrew Luck, that's going to be a 15-year franchise guy, correct? Okay, but here's here's where I go away Phillip Rivers and... Yep, everything you're saying. But one thing I've heard from you repeatedly and you've used this many times, in your conversations with Kyle Shanahan, head coach of the 49ers, Uh Kyle himself has said it has never been more difficult to evaluate quarterbacks coming out of college than it is right now. And I would argue that the guys, that that what we're seeing in the NFL over the last decade, in which there there is no clear um, sense that these quarterbacks that are being taken in the first round are all going to be 10- to 15-year guys— I think maybe you have to open your eyes or open your mind to the mm. idea of maybe looking at the quarterback position differently. See, I, I I get that, but look at the guys that look at the teams that have had success. They all have the franchise guy that's it's going to be a decade plus. I think the way the rules are structured now, Mike, lends itself to longevity. Here's the other thing I think: the way the rules are structured right now, as a quarterback, where you used to hit your prime at 27 ish, you know that was your prime. Your prime has been pushed back five years. You hit your prime now at 32, and you're going to play until you're 40. Drew Brees, you know, Matt Ryan's on that track. Obviously, the guys we've already talked about with Brady, Roethlisberger, you know, Flacco and all these guys, that's the direction the league is going to. So I think if you're going, hey, let's just get ourselves a flash in the pan that's going to last three years. I'm not saying three. I'm saying okay, five. five to seven, seven to eight, that type of thing. Right. So we, we're going to be out of him before he hits his prime? Like I think it's one of the reasons that that the Dallas Cowboys offensively made a philosophical change. See, here's the thing you're getting into with with that style of football. Cam Newton, franchise quarterback, sure. NFL MVP, sure. Okay, just finished what his eighth season. He's 29 years old. You know what they're talking about in 2019? Sitting Cam Newton because he's taken such a beating. His shoulder was so bad last year, he couldn't launch it more than 30 yards. This guy's got a hose. I mean, this guy is Adonis. This guy is 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 carved from a piece of granite. I mean, he's a phenomenal, I mean, a physical specimen. 
and here he is at 29, hasn't even reached his new quarterbacking prime, where you're basically saying maybe we have to sit him for a year. Dave Tepper, their new owner, said we we need to consider sitting this guy for a whole season. Like you, that's why to me that style of hey, run around and make plays with your feet, and let's you know, let's hey, when things break down, like I always say this about the quarterbacking position: when things break down, you better be able to make decisions from your neck up, not rely on your neck down, because the neck down guys don't last long. The neck up guys do. Like if you're relying on athleticism. It's only a matter of time before that athleticism gets you in trouble and gets you hurt. So that's that's where I look at, you know, guys like Cam Newton and guys like Kyle Murray. You know, they're different statures, obviously, but same kind of athletic nature. That's but then where, I guess then I guess then the question is, as you evaluate Kyler Murray, if you're a team, and especially you're going to use a first round pick on him, you need to decide: is this a guy that's going to be able to become Russell Wilson-like in terms of right. the sense that Russell Wilson, as his career has gone on, has gotten much smarter about when he runs. He never seems to take a direct shot. He's always, when he does move around, it's with the intention, eyes downfield, try to make a throw. Right. This is not a guy that just takes off willy-nilly running with the football. And as a result, he's looking like somebody that's going to be a 15-year yeah. guy. You have to be able to evaluate that in Kyler Murray, right? Yes. Because to, to your and, point, you're right. If this is a guy that's going to expose himself to hits, then you, you, unless you're willing to just do this for five years and start all over again at the quarterback right. position after five years, you're right. Then you got to stay away from him. Here's, here's the thing, the, the difference for me. I think that Russell Wilson was always a skilled quarterback that happened to be a great athlete. Not a great athlete that happened to be turned into a quarterback. I think Cam Newton's a, a, a an unbelievable athlete that was turned into a quarterback. I think Lamar Jackson is an unbelievable athlete that's turned into a quarterback. I think the Dallas Cowboys are moving from Dak Prescott or saying basically, Dak, we're going to start transitioning you like Russell Wilson transitioned. But Russell Wilson has always had this old soul about him. That's who I mean. I've talked to him about it. He, he he told me I have always been this way. I've always had this kind of old soul. That's just who I am, and so he's always to me been first a quarterback that happens to be a great athlete, but he doesn't put himself into harm's way. He still defaults from the neck up, even though he's a great athlete. And that's I don't know that about Kyler Murray. I don't know enough about him. You know, I haven't looked at enough tape, and I don't know him personally, and I haven't done any of his games. I don't do college stuff, so I don't know who Kyler Murray is. I know he's a phenomenal athlete, and he's a he's you know he's got football acumen like Baker Mayfield did. Maybe not as much as Baker, but you know, great football acumen. Throws the ball with unbelievable touch and accuracy, and and he's got a big time arm even at five nine. So like all those things are pluses to me. But if you're going to put yourself in harm's way in the NFL, somebody is going to tattoo your ass. And that's what scares me at that size. Can you take that type of repeated beating? And at what point does your body just quit on you? And and I think that's the concern. And I think it's a legitimate concern. Your agent can sit there and say, well, you guys are just old school and you guys, you know, you're lost touch with reality. But the reality of this thing is the quarterbacks who can eviscerate you from the pocket those guys are the ones that are in the AFC and NFC championships and winning Super Bowls every year. I mean, we just saw Joe Flacco dealt here to to Denver. Flacco is as much a statue 
as you will ever find at the NFL quarterback position. A statue. And in 11 years in his career, he's played a full 16-game schedule in nine of them. Right. I mean, durability, availability, mm-hmm. is sometimes your best ability. Right. And your your point about, about Kyler Murray is that that is seriously in doubt. Real, real quick. I got to get your thoughts because it's making headlines because of who he is and what he is and what he stands for and how he's portrayed. What did you think of the story that Colin Kaepernick wanted twenty million dollars to play in the AAF, the Alliance of American Football? My my initial thought was he doesn't want to play football. He wants to be an activist, and and listen, that's great. There's nothing wrong with that. Be an activist, you know, be an activist for social change. That's great, but I just don't think you really want to play. That's that's what it comes down. You know, everybody's sitting there going, "Oh, Kaepernick should be in the league, and Kaepernick should be this, and Kaepernick should be that." Have you ever heard Kaepernick say, "I really want to play"? Yeah, have I ever heard him say, "Hey, man, I'm willing to be a third team quarterback or a second team quarterback and work my way back into it"? I I just I haven't I haven't heard that. Now, has he been colluded against? Yeah, probably. I know this though, you know. He's been colluded against as much as Tim Tebow was colluded against in that most people think his skill set is okay, right? But nobody wants a backup quarterback to get more headlines than the starting quarterback, or nobody wants to have to set up a press conference for your backup quarterback. They're like children in the 50s. You're supposed to be seen and not heard. And I think there's, I think like there are a lot of layers to this onion. You know what I mean? And do I think that Colin Kaepernick is better than better than a bunch of the backups? I mean, come on, Nathan Peterman is, has got work, you know. I mean, do I think he's better than a bunch of the court? Yeah, I do. But I also understand how the NFL works. You don't think he's better than a bunch of starters? No, 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 no. No, I think that Colin Kaepernick has some of the same issues. When I watched him play from a more traditional style of offense, he just wasn't very good. Now. When you put him in kind of a run first, throw out of that run, you know, all that kind of all that stuff that he was in initially, then he's a dynamic athlete that was pretty incredible. But again, I just think there's a lot of layers to this story. And I haven't heard him come out and say, man, I want to compete regardless. Like, I'll take the rg3 deal at at you know whatever it is you're paying me just to be the third team quarterback so that i can work my way back in the league like i haven't heard that have you no i haven't heard him address his i I haven't heard him address his situation at all um and so you know i mean so you're saying it's for him it's more impactful and more importantly more financially uh smart to be a martyr. I mean, it's basically what you're saying, and I agree with you. Right. That it's, it's, it's more impactful and lucrative for him right now to be a martyr, sure, a symbol, than to an activist, however mm-hmm. you want to. I mean, yeah. he wears many hats in this debate, than to go out and try to resuscitate a football career by playing in the AAF. Right, or if he's a backup for, you know, if he's a backup for some also ran NFL, you know, the the Buffalo Bills. Um, one, you've got to drop your collusion case against the NFL. And two, um, how, how much more voice do you have? 
as a backup in the NFL for the Bills or for I'm not trying to bag on the Bills. The Bills Mafia will come after me. Sorry, I didn't mean the Bills. The Jets. There, that's better. Yeah, because Jets fan doesn't care. Yeah, Jets fan knows that they suck. <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? They've accepted their lot in life, yes. whereas Bills fans Bills still fans, maybe still holding out hope. Huh? Right, Bills fans still goes back to those 90s teams, went to four straight Super Bowls. There's a lot of pride there in, in Bills Mafia. I'll give the Bills Mafia all kinds of, like, I love the Bills Mafia, and they will flat get after your ass. The Jets will be mad at you for a second, but then they'll basically say, yeah, you're right there. <laughs> They'll be like, you suck. I hate your guts. But, yeah, we, we suck. By the way, you know, you have now once again done exactly what you just did a year ago at this time. You've taken on Sooner Nation. You've gone after Boomer Sooner. You are not a Baker Mayfield fan a year ago, and, boy, did you hear about it. And you yep. pretty much just kind of poured water on Kyler Murray. No, 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 no. Yes, no. yes, yes, I, yes, yes. See, that's the that's the problem with wedge drivers is they only hear what they want to hear. I was effusive in my praise about his football acumen and his ability to throw the ball and the athlete that he is. I'm just saying I don't know that running around in the NFL is a sustainable model at, at that position. All right, you are running an NFL team and you have a first-round pick. Would you spend it on mm-hmm. Kyler Murray? No. You are running an NFL team. You have a second-round pick. Would you spend it on Kyler Murray? Sure. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's still going to get Boomer Sooner mad. Right. I just don't uh, – well, well, where's my first-round pick? Is it the uh, – All right. Uh, uh, what, what's the cutoff? What's the cutoff as to when you would spend a first-round pick on Kyler Murray? Um, I would, I would potentially spend a first-round pick on Kyler Murray like where the Baltimore Ravens, 30, 31, 32, somewhere in there, like – if I'm a good team and I've got, you know, an aging quarterback. So you just predicted the New England Patriots will draft Kyler Murray. Okay, everybody, thanks for listening. I don't I don't know that Kyler Murray no, is he going. to fit the Bill Belichick, Josh McDaniels model. But I see what you're saying. But Bill Belichick might just take him, work with him for a while, just so he can get, a, he can get you know, a second and a third out of him. You know what I mean? He's shifty like that. Like, I keep looking at all these receivers, Mike, that are out there right now. All right, Antonio Brown. There's talk about a trade for Odell Beckham Jr. Um, who else is out there at the receiver position right now that that, that potentially hits the market? Like, those two guys I right think there. I, did I even hear about, like, Julio Jones maybe even? I have a hard time I can't, I can't, one. I can't buy that. Because him and Matt Ryan have such a good... Right, and Julio... Julio is a consummate professional. He's right. not a diva. He works his butt off. He's one of the hardest working, smartest guys out there. All right, so Antonio Brown and OBJ. I can't. Can you ever see Bill Belichick spending that kind of money on either of those guys? No. He he just won a Super Bowl with Julian Edelman with a cap hit of four and a half million. No way he would do that. Right. He, he, and don't give me Randy Moss, people, because remember, go back context. Randy Moss was basically buried, dead and buried with well, the he's Raiders. sitting on the bench. He didn't want to play. Right. He basically quit. They got right? him for nothing and signed him for nothing. And then he had a two unbelievable years and anyone got paid. But not by New England. The only time Where I Where did he go after New England? <sighs> did he go to... Wait, do, do we have that right? Did he go from the Raiders to New England? Yes. He did. Yes. He didn't go from New England to the Raiders no. and then... No. Okay. 
Yeah, he had a he had a run there for the Patriots. It was unbelievable. And you ask anybody that's played with Randy Moss or knows Randy Moss, they'll tell you what an unbelievably smart football player the guy is. Um, Belichick loves him. No, oh, yeah, but he never he never traded for Moss when Moss was Moss. You right. know what I mean? So and when he, Moss started being Moss again, he they parted ways. Right. So, to your question, does what what OBJ's got? Uh, he just signed a five-year, seventy-eight million dollars. No, ninety-five million. Ninety-five. Yeah. So crazy. On, you think you think Bill Belichick's going to trade for that? No way. No way. There's just no. no there's way. just no way. And I, you know, frankly, I wouldn't either. I mean, I, I think frankly that the wide receiver position in the NFL needs to be treated very much like uh, baseball free agency right now. There's there needs to be a correction in the market. Mm-hmm. You, well, when was the last time you would say a what we think of as a diva s- superstar fantasy just monster when it comes to wide receiver that was part of a Super Bowl team? Well, you you talked about Moss, but they didn't you, win a Super Bowl. They didn't win the Super Bowl, right? How about winning a Super Bowl. Oh, I don't know that it's ever happened. Now I people mean, well, will say people well Jerry Rice, well, Jerry Rice, well, but, but Jerry Rice wasn't Jerry Rice, we we had Charles Haley at the Super Bowl on our radio program, and he said, I, "I've never seen a guy outwork Jerry. There was nobody that worked harder than Jerry Rice. Like Jerry Rice wasn't your prototypical diva, so quote unquote." But he was a star wide receiver. I'm He's not about star. the stars. I mean, you think about the the ones that everybody thinks of when it comes to all right, you're filling out your fantasy football team and your OBJs and your Antonio Browns mm-hmm. and your uh, Julio Joneses and your Mike Evanses. And, well, you, you know, could say that Julio Jones should have he won, should have won one. a Super Bowl. He should have won. Um, but I, I, w- I would say this. Name me one team. I'll, I'll, I'll dice this up a little bit more. Name me one team that thought they were one wide receiver away from being a Super Bowl contender that went out and got a big-time receiver that actually won anything. Good point. That one, I, I, don't, can't think I, don't, one. I don't think you can I don't think you can come up with one. T.O. went, and he did it on a broken, you know, he, he was recovering from yep. a broken ankle, and he was phenomenal in that yep. game. But they still didn't win. That would be as probably as close as you could come. Yeah. And then, he, and then it just all blew up, you know, because he's T.O. Um, but... Yeah, I I can't think of anybody that's done that. Antonio Brown? Now, Pittsburgh would never deal with New England. But Brown's got three see part of the you know part of the deal with Antonio Brown is why he's so unhappy, he wants out is because his contract is really team friendly. Especially the last 2 years of this 3-year deal. Really team friendly. He wants a new contract. That's what this is all about. He he want I, I guarantee put it this way. He he sounds like a guy who absolutely's had it with Pittsburgh. I guarantee you, if Pittsburgh came to Antonio Brown and said, "Let's rework your contract. Let's get you paid right now, like OBJ just got paid," suddenly I think he loves Pittsburgh. Yeah, suddenly it's all warm and fuzzy again. Mm-hmm. You're probably right. I just can't. I I guess I just have an, a certain amount of disdain for. The way, the the evolution of that position, let's put it that way. Because I played with right wide receivers that were, oh man, 
Selfless. Selfless, just Rod Smith, Eddie McCaffrey, going all the way back to my Ricky Sanders and Gary Clark and Art Monk days in Washington. Guys that just came to work and busted their ass. Got involved in the running game, you know, would would do whatever it took for us to win a game. Um, Rice was like that. Lynn Swan was like that. But now something, I don't know where it changed, but you're right, it changed. All of a sudden, wide receivers became the diva position. I don't know who we blame for that, but I'd like to put my finger. I'd like to blame somebody. I don't know who, but there's got to be somebody. That's for a podcast to be determined. Yeah, in the uh, future, I think we. Could, I would love to know. Ad- we'll investigate that. Right? Who? Like, where all of a sudden the overinflated self worth of the receiver came into existence? When did that happen? Who was? Was there? Was there one guy that did it? I don't know. We'll have to discuss. Maybe Moss? I I don't know. There's got to be somebody before that that kind of, that kind of, like, you know, you roll the snowball up to the top of the hill, and it's then you're patting it down all of a sudden, and there's got to be one dude that was standing there, like, oh, look at this, this is great, we got and then he just shoved it down the hill, and it just started gaining steam. Right, right. Who's the guy that shoved the snowball down the, the, snowball down the hill? That's the question. Well... Tweet at Mark Schlereth and give us your, or at Mike Evans 1043 and give us your there you go. suggestions on that. All right. Um, all right. Wait, that should be a wrap, huh? I think that's a wrap. All right. We're going to wrap that up. For everybody involved in the Sinking Truth Podcast, for our presenting sponsor at Cool Water, thank you so much for listening. We'll be back with you uh, next week. The Stinkin' Truth Podcast, presented by Core Water. Subscribe to the Stinkin' Truth Podcast via Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, SoundCloud, and plenty of other podcast platforms.